your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. Uh, oh, I put the stone table pilot. All right, welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. We're gonna intro music here. I uh, I'm Rick Solom. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. And John Havlicek is is putting headphones on. You don't need those, John, unless somebody calls. But if you okay. want to wear them to hide your bald head, you can do that. If you want. Wow! <laughs> I gotta I gotta do that because eventually, eventually, because this yeah. is going. My hair is going. So eventually, well, like, I did just celebrate a birthday. Oh no! I did. My students were very. Do you kind. celebrate it though? Do well, you, you know. Yeah, we're good. So, we're, so, we're well, so my students, I'll give a little shout out to my to my Spanish three students. Um, and the mic, get the mic. Oh, it. sorry, I'm sorry. No, a little no, shout out to my Spanish three students, my first hour kids. Um, they got me a card and coffee and socks, which is very nice. Uh, my fourth hour students got me hair care products, so they got me a brush and volumizer and detangler and things of that nature. Nice, nice. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Now, first hour, first hour students. They're the ones that are getting A's. A little yeah. bit. <laughs> but for, first hour students might be like kids that you didn't have a little earlier. In I haven't had Mr. Havlicek for three oh, no, or four years. Oh no, no, these oh, are no. all my kids. These are all my kids. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean. But by by fourth hour, you know what? I've had Havlicek for like three years now. Yeah. And we're gonna give them. Oh some yeah, grief. For, you know I mean, what I mean? first hour like period of the day. Yeah, I got not you. Spanish one or whatever. Yeah, no, they're yeah. Okay, yeah. No, these are all kids I had last year too. They've just gotten okay. comfortable enough too. So some are just a little more fourth hour is a little more comfortable with ripping on the teeth. You were a little bit more making fun, yeah. Well that's great. Um, In the first hour they like to drink coffee themselves, so they brought me a coffee. Oh yeah, that's is that <laughs> weird to like you you've experienced this over uh, is it 26 years? 25 at Central plus a couple before okay. that. You've probably experienced, like, is the coffee thing in classrooms? Have you experienced, like... Oh, no, we, I mean, I really just try to decrease that. Yeah. No, I, but, like, kids drinking coffee in general. In general is weird, yeah, but it's all, it's, a lot of them are iced coffees, <laughs> yeah. which is, like, genius marketing on the coffee oh, people, right? Because sure. yeah. they're sugary, well, sweet, and they're, you know, $4 for a cup of coffee. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Um... So, so I have to like, and Havlicek is obviously, if you haven't figured that out, a Central High School Spanish teacher has been doing that for a while. But I, I actually kind of have to introduce you as a political blowhard now. <laughs> I have a couple of. I, I would have prefer a of, informed, but okay. <laughs> no, but you're you're gonna come on here and blowhard. We're gonna like that's what talk radio is. We blowhard about okay. stuff. So, um, okay. <laughs> uh, I have so Adam Murphy ran for Senate in Wisconsin. Okay. And when that's when very I, when courageous. I, when I first met him, he ran against, you know, he was one of the 12 Democrats running, right? Like okay. at some point. And when I first started talking to him, we had him on um, the Democratic Voice podcast. And I was like, oh, wow, he's really informed about some, some of this stuff. He's not going to win Senate. But like, I want to listen to his ideas more. So yeah. I bring him back on once a month or so. Nice. And he's also a political blowhard, but I also introduce him. So I have, he's a small business owner too, but I have him as, while you're a central Spanish teacher Mm -hmm. and political blowhard, he's a failed U.S. Senate candidate for the Democrats and political blowhard. So, I mean, so you're not getting it as bad as he is. He keeps coming back? Well, I asked him beforehand if that was okay too. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to do that without, you know. Some some level of discrepancy. Um, all right, but we want to talk today. You know, I have some just like school stuff that we got to sure. throw in there just to make you 
more relevant, but also you're you're kind of a reading junkie and you read mm-hmm. Governor Tony Evers' budget. Well, the budget <laughs> so, in brief. It was only the budget in brief. Considerably shorter, but well, did you, did you ever open the PDF that is the actual budget? Yes. Okay, so while that's the, where I started. Well, the budget in brief is what the uh, the state puts out. Governor Evers puts out. In brief, so it's his budget, which is yeah. billions, whatever the number is. I can't. Yeah, I don't even know. There's a couple of different like ways to de- decide how much money is in the budget. Yeah. Um, it could be like 200 million, or it could be like 50 billion. I don't know. Um, it's just kind of over your head a little bit at some point. But also the the regular the budget in brief in mm-hmm. brief is 160 pages yeah. <laughs> of a PDF file. Yes. So yeah, you saw it, right? Yeah. So what? Do you remember what the regular, just basic budget was? How many pages on a PDF file that was? Oh, I think it was like 700. 700. So, I mean, so. you know, we're tw- we're down to 20% or something, yeah. so that's good. Um, <laughs> and when we talk about, like, you know, speaking of Ron Johnson, he'll he'll complain about this when we put the omnibus bills out to pass in the Senate. Sure. You know, we only had so long to, re- like, yeah. we only had two days to read this. And it's, it's like 12,000 pages. Well, You've you've been reading it in chunks as you pass yeah. different parts or, or debate different things in committee yeah. to read these things. Yes, you only had you got the pile. First of all, nobody printed that off. One person maybe prints that off to, for, <laughs> right. for some Twitter. Probably Russ Feingold. Um, but but you're not you're not printing it off, and you you've read you know it in parts. So, but to, yeah, to get the thing that's you know fifty thousand pages, you're not going to read, and you're not going to read a. Uh, well, now I forgot how many pages did you? I was like seven sixty or something. I don't know, something like so, that. So yeah, and you you probably started to read that and go, "There's got to be a better way." Well, and it's just un- <laughs> it's unreadable to the layperson. Yeah, uh, you know, but the budget in brief is more like X number of dollars specifically to do this. Okay, that's what I want to know. Right, and I will say when the U.S. Senate omnibus bill came out, Ron Johnson's one line statement: "We can't." We can't pass this. We didn't have any time to read it. Meanwhile, Tammy Baldwin puts out a statement that's got like 50, <laughs> 50 bullet points, two links. Yeah. And it's like $50 million for, you know, education funding or sure. whatever it was. And then you could click a link and go deep dive into each one of those. You can, yeah. And I was like, well, Tammy Baldwin seemed to have yeah. time to read this. And you didn't put out any information. So, but it's, you know, like we, it's politics at that point. I understand. Uh, 608-785-7914 is the... Uh, talking text line, John Havlicek's going to hang out for this hour. And just just before we go to break, the first break, is there a good way to just, you know, part when you have your agenda on the budget, like there's mm-hmm. Medicaid expansion. Obviously, there's some education things. Oddly enough, you don't want to talk about the education. Well, education I mean, we can, but, but your um, listeners might prefer other stuff. Yeah, but what else do you think? Uh, you know, you there's got your scribbles or, over there. Yeah, what are yeah. your scribbles? <laughs> what, like, what are the big topics you think? I think there's a, there's a lot in this budget that we can talk about for rural communities. Right, because you get outside of La Crosse. I mean, La Crosse is not a big city by any stretch, right? You get outside of La Crosse, it's very, very rural. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of stuff in there for small businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's stuff in there for vets. There's stuff in there to lower taxes. There's a lot in there for, like, middle-class families and young families as well. Uh, so there's there's quite a bit out there that I think your listeners, um, honestly, go check out the budget in brief. You don't have to take my word for it. You can look at the same document I did. Now, when you when you brought that to me too, you're like jump to page eighty because there's a budget in brief, and then there's mo- like, and then we're gonna brief the brief, right? Well, so it's grouped like- so that if, if you're if you're all about like I want to find what they're doing for veterans, yeah, right. Some of my family members were veterans. I want to find what they're doing for veterans. Starting on page eighty something, you know, right in there, um, it's by subject area. Yeah, by subject. And so then you can go, you can scroll down until you hit the bold, 
and it says veterans or, or sure. whatever. You know, you can find it that way. Do they have it ordered in, in, in such a way where it's like the Star Wars movies? You could watch the Star Wars movies in order that they were made. So it starts up like episode four, five, six, sure. one, two, three. And so the half, first half of budget and brief is like that. And then the second half, okay, now here's, here's the Star <laughs> yes. Wars episodes in order. Here yeah. they are by subject. So the yes, first... it's much quicker to jump to the second half. Okay, so definitely. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608 785 7914 is the talking text line. John Havlicek just we, n- never stops talking. <laughs> yeah, the, the mics weren't on there, so when you're, you know, swearing at me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Ouch. JK, JK people. All right, so we, we John, and Havlicek is a Central High School Spanish teacher. He's also my political blowhard that I bring in here uh, about once a month sometimes. And, and, and always like, hey, John, what are you doing? In an hour, you know, <laughs> or at least I gave you a day's notice Day, this yeah. time. So that was, that was nice of me. Right. Yeah. Um, but you want to, you want to, you, you, you went to the joint finance committee meeting in Eau Claire. Uh, no, yesterday the in the Dells. In the Dells. So you made the hour and a half ish yeah. trek. Uh, it is kind of funny how the state does this. They put it, uh, they have four budget hearings, essentially how we're going to craft the two year budget. And there's, I would say, kind of four corners of the state, kind of. Yeah. Like one in one in Milwaukee area. One up in uh, Manaqua. One in the Dells, one in Eau Claire, and one in Manaqua, yeah, which was, I, I don't know. I, I mean, you got to put one up there somewhere, but maybe Green Bay isn't that far north, so people way up north. Closer, though. But, but well, in Green Bay, it's just like a lot of more people are there, but mm, you don't know. You don't want that many people from the Green Bay area showing up to your joint finance committee meeting. But anyway, and then you can watch some of them online, and you can comment online as well. There's a if you look for the Mitch Reynolds story a couple of days ago, there's all those links in there. Um, but essentially, and it's the the finance committee is made up of eight Republicans and four Democrats, I believe. Isn't it twelve? Um, is I think it twelve it's, people. I think it's twelve and four. I think it's sixteen. Oh, it's sixteen. Yeah. So, but it's but it's way not balanced, and nope. because of how the state is, I represented. Yep. I think in the assembly or whatever. <laughs> so. So you went to the hearing, very exciting, right? And you, you just talk about your experience going to the hearing because you showed up an hour late, which is your fault no, a little bit. No, 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 no. The committee hearing doesn't start until ten. Oh, I got okay. there at nine. So you showed up only an hour early. How about there that? There you go. Yes, only an hour early. <laughs> because when if you would have listened to the show Monday, Mitch is well, he might not have said this over the air. He's like, I'm going to show up at eight, try to be one of the first yeah. people to sign in. Because it's basically like pick up basketball at noon. Yes. Uh, in some of the bigger cities, you run to the sheet and sign your name, and then whoever's the next five gets mm-hmm. to play the next game, and you sign your name an hour later than everyone else. Because I think they open the the signing at up eight. at eight at eight a.m. Yeah. Did you did you know I've you were done, in oh, for yeah. it? Yeah. Yes, I've done this before. I've played the game before, and I, you know, it's a mess. All right, so you, you you're you're there at nine. Sign in somewhere around nine, and then you get to talk at what time? Uh, about quarter to five. Quarter to five. So, I mean, did you bring snacks? I mean, because uh, you were yeah. telling me off the air because you can't leave, right? Well, I mean, you can, but you have to kind of guess as to, like, when will they call my name? And you don't know because you're not counting in any sense of how, you know, like, it's not it's, like they give you a number. It's not the deli at the grocery store. You it is not. You don't sign in and get a number. It's right. not Culver's takeout line or whatever. Yeah. So you have no idea because, I mean, you yep. get, 
They unless, don't do anything like that. Unless you listen to the seven people ahead of you that signed in. You're like, oh, Sally and Bill and, yep. you know, like, but that wouldn't work either. Um, all right. So you're there for a shift. <laughs> Basically, yes. you took your eight hour shift. And um, I, I don't know. And then what was your spiel when you finally did get in front of the committee? Um, you know, so my my I th- the thing that I think is, is the most important is the Medicaid expansion money. And if you don't mind me throwing out a couple of a couple of numbers at your folks here, uh, you know, there are 10 states in the country that have not accepted Medicaid expansion money. And it's like Wisconsin, Texas, and most of them are in the southeast corner, like Florida and stuff. Uh, those 10 states, and you can you can look this up, right? Fact check me right now. Those 10 states have about 25% of our country's population. But they account for about 75% of the like rural clinic and hospital closures over the last 10 years. They haven't accepted the Medicaid expansion money. Rural clinics have a higher percentage of like Medicaid recipients and, and things of this nature, right? And so these rural clinics are having trouble, having trouble staying open. And so, so that's a concern, right? Because Wisconsin is mostly rural, you know? Um, and then there's, there's an interesting thing, you know, we don't, you know, if, if your listeners know what I mean when I say trifecta, when we're talking about the government, okay? So you have, if, if the Republicans have a trifecta in a state government, that means they have both houses and the governor's mansion. Minnesota is currently. Oh, a, a Democrat trifecta. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, like Michigan is a Democrat trifecta. So, and then we're split. So there are like, I, I'm, I'm guessing here, I forget. It's like 17 Republican trifectas, maybe 10 or 12 Democrat trifectas, and then everybody else is split. So the Republican trifectas, you would think if, if the Republicans in Wisconsin are so adamant that we should not be taking this Medicaid expansion money, you would think that these Republican trifecta states would be like, heck no. Right. Because that's the Republican line. Guess what? Those, there are 14 states that have a Republican trifecta that have taken the Medicaid expansion money. What? Do, so, I mean, on this issue, we're farther right than, like, Idaho and Utah. Like, and really? We, and Wisconsin is in a situation where they <laughs> did have a trifecta under Governor Scott Walker and yep. also didn't. And they didn't the take money, it. So, um, yep. so, so there, is, there was a point in time where they didn't take it for that reason. And, and when you talk about, I guess, Medicaid expansion money, it's essentially, you're going to be better at this, but it's the federal government um, allocating federal funding yep. to essentially expand Medicaid. But it's costing Wisconsin taxpayers billions of dollars, right, not to, not to accept yes. this? Yes, it's, um, it's about, I think, in the, again, in the budget in brief, I think it says it's $2.2 billion that we're leaving on the table over the next biennium, so the next two-year yeah. budget. And, I mean, we pay into the federal government, so that money is kind of ours, you know. And, it, and it's killing me because tons of that Medicaid expansion funding would actually not really help me. Right. It would be helping people in, like, the rural communities. It would be helping people who don't have insurance, who uh, maybe they're seniors, who they can't afford different things, Right. Those are the folks that would get help more. And we were talking about that that health that assisted living facility uh, up in I think it's in Hobart. Well, I'll just up say by my, Green Bay. So my neighbor is, had, had just gone through this over maybe the last two years. He his his mom had to move out of her house. Okay, and you could tell me if this makes sense or not in terms of what you're talking about. So he had to put her into assisted living or a sure. nursing home or something. And instead of you know that being kind of 
help the maybe the state or the feds help mm-hmm. pay for that. He essentially had to use the money from his mom's house. Yep. To pay for the assisted living or whatever, you know, yes. and I think, you know, and then when you talk about like passing on uh, to your kids, you know, <laughs> so that gets burned up. So he's the yep. kid, right? So he doesn't even get any of those assets because they just went into and and she was there for maybe two years and, and has now passed away. Yep. But but poof, that's gone. And it was, you know, like, I think it was like five. I think you said it was like five, six grand a month, you know, so like that's or, or more. Yeah. Yeah. And you were saying, uh, you know, some of that was like seven grand a month from what you were. Yeah, talking about. it's yeah, it's very expensive. And and then there's that other like like hidden problem is that it's a drag on the economy of the state, because if if somebody's paying X number of dollars and there's some kind of Medicaid reimbursement. You know, so in the case of, you know, your friend and his mother, um, you know, if that money runs out, what's been happening, and this is this happened in Wisconsin, is those people get evicted. And then they go to a nursing home and then Medicaid picks it up or Medicare picks it up. That money then couldn't have been spent on going to a movie or because somebody in assisted living, these folks are still probably still driving. You know, they just need like more than an apartment yeah. kind of thing. So they're still driving. They're driving around. They're going, they can't going snow, for dinner. They can't snow blow their driveway or mow their lawn, but they can live on their own in, yeah. a, in a way, but they just need a little help. They need a little stuff. bit of help. So then that's money that they're not spending out in that local economy. Right. And, I, and I'm not blaming the, the people that own the assisted living place. I'm not blaming them at all. I'm not saying that. It's just that it's so prohibitively expensive and these folks burn through all their life savings. Then they get moved. And then if they get moved to a nursing home or whatever, it's actually more expensive. It's not as, as like comfortable. Okay. Cause my mother was in a nursing home and, and you know, I appreciate the folks that work there and so forth, but she shared a room and it was certainly not like an assisted living place. Yeah. You go from living in maybe like a little like bit a better apartment. than a studio apartment to yeah. living in essentially like, like a, a dorm hospital room. room with another yes. person in your, in that house. Like when, when you go and stay in the hospital, if you have to, like you, there's two cots in there yeah. and, and somebody, there's a curtain. Right. So that's that oh, maybe a little bit better than that, but maybe, like and that. It, but it's still more expensive. So then we're, we're really shortchanging our seniors. And that's why in Wisconsin, like uh, that guy by green Bay, Cowless, whatever his constituents are being kicked out. They're being evicted. Yeah, you know it, it's happening right now, and we could curtail a lot of that with that Medicaid expansion money. And you know, I and it's hard to say. Like, if you say, "Well, that's not Democrats don't believe in this." Well, you know what? Republicans do believe in taking the Medicaid expansion money because most of them have. Yeah, and I think the Republican <laughs> argument for and it doesn't work very well anymore, especially now. But it's always because it's been about twelve years. Yeah. We've we've not accepted. Maybe it's thirteen, somewhere Eight, around there. 10, something like that. I mean, if you, add I think it co- went through in two thousand ten, two thousand twelve. Okay, somewhere so, in there. Yeah, COVID always messes it up. Like, yeah. do we count that year or not? But uh, we haven't accepted Medicaid expansion for uh, at least a dozen years. Yeah. And the tagline there from Republicans was, "Well, someday the federal government isn't going to give us this Medicaid expansion money, right. and then we're going to have to pay yep. the difference, or everybody loses that benefit." So the argument here. A little bit is when, but we did this, when the federal government during the pandemic offered free school lunch, free meals to, to students. Yep. And the, the big tagline there was, we cut child poverty in half. <laughs> but then when that ran out, nobody 
the, the, the Congress didn't reenact that because nope. they couldn't get the votes. Yeah. And so we doubled child poverty, child but poverty we never hear that. So, right, it went I mean, back up. But but that's not that's not what's happening with Medicaid expansion. You could just the federal government for a dozen years now has <laughs> has kept it going. So yep. they're they're not going to pull the rug out at this point. So there, there shouldn't be a worry there, and and we're just costing taxpayers money. Yes, yes, so. it's, it's our constituents. So six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. We're going to read your texts while we're on break. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talking text line. If you have questions, you want to you want to quiz Havlicek on some of the stuff that he's talking about, Medicaid expansion or Wisconsin's budget, brought to you by Tony Evers, the Democrat, because we don't have a Republican budget proposal at this point. Well, no, so, that's just not the way the process works. <laughs> and in my head, there's there's two things that I, I kind of wonder is, okay, Governor Tony Evers puts out his budget pretty early. So, A, he's been working on this thing. I would imagine. And then the Republicans don't have a counteroffer. They only have, we're going to throw your budget away and start from scratch, which is, you know, whether or not that's true. I mean, I'm sure they take some cliff notes from Evers' budget. But then we also have this public hearings session, Mm -hmm. four sessions across the state, taking the public's opinion on what they think should go, should be priorities to be in the budget. Yeah. So part of me thinks, should, should Governor Evers not put out his budget until after these public hearings? Because then... But it's just his budget proposal, so it's not like he couldn't go. Okay, I listened to the yeah eight, eight hours or however many hours of the Dell's public f- joint finance committee hearing, and now I think uh, from what I heard from those four meetings, I think I'll you know add this or that right. or something or adjust. So it's not like he can't adjust in in any way. Republicans threw it in the garbage, so why would he? Um, but but Republicans don't have a budget proposal, so we can't even. There's no baseline here to no. Like, I, my I believe that they kind of work on it it might be more efficient um i mean we know it happens every two years right and since evers got reelected in the fall we know he's going to do this um it might be more efficient if if the republicans or the whoever started building their own a little bit sooner but maybe it maybe the idea is it's an executive branch priority uh, prerogative to write the budget right so maybe that we kind of have to start this way is very possible. Yeah, definitely. Um, the other thing that's funny too is when Evers, when we did this two years ago with Evers putting out his budget proposal, Republicans said they're going to throw it away. And then they created their own budget. And then Evers, you know, used his veto pen, act some stuff out, but mm-hmm. then he signed it. Then they were mad that he signed it and took credit for signing a budget. So there's like no, there's no winning. And the infighting <laughs> is like, it makes you want to take your head and slam it against the desk. Not even hand on forehead. I'm saying head <laughs> slam on desk. Um, but we did get a text here from, I don't know if they sent their name in or not, but um, from the 608, we'll just say that the cool radio people do that. But <laughs> okay. uh, we were talking about Medicaid expansion. Yeah. So and, and the idea, I, I just gave an analogy about um, uh, some, you know, like you have to put your, your parents in a home or your mom or dad in a home and then sell the house. And then you essentially have to use the money that, that from the sure. sale of your parents' house to pay for the home. And by the time. You know, then that money dries up. So there's no passing on wealth when it comes to people in middle, middle and lower class. Upper class people don't have to worry about that. So a texter says, "So my parents' wealth should not be used for them. So essentially, don't use the money that they from the house to spend on them at the uh, assisted living facility." Yeah. But yes, yes, do that. But anyway, the rest of the text. Uh, this way, I can go buy a car, and the Wisconsin people should cover my parents' cost. So <laughs> I think that's 
I think I assume the writers being tongue in cheek there. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they're trying. Well, to... I mean, the, the hard part is like that's really not a great comparison. You know, you kind of hit it on the head. It's more like we're paying in a bunch of tax dollars to the federal government, and because we're de- continuing to decline the Medicaid expansion money again, a billion dollars a year, that money's going to some other state. Right. So if the and I don't know this, I'm making tons of assumptions, right? If the the sender of that message is like diehard Republican, uh, I got news for you. That money's going to California. That money's going to New York. That money's going to Michigan, Minnesota, right? These states that have accepted it that are all run by Democrats. So wouldn't it be better from your perspective to get that money back in Wisconsin? Well, and I'll read the text again. So my parents' well should not be used for them. This way I can go buy a car and the Wisconsin people should cover my parents' costs. It wouldn't be Wisconsin people covering your parents' costs. It would be the federal government. So all of the nation's tax yeah. money. And also, you wouldn't be able to go buy a car because if we accepted Medicaid expansion. But somebody in California will be able to go buy if a we car don't. with your with your tax money that <laughs> yes. you spent. So, it's, so <laughs> if you don't accept Medicaid expansion, you don't get a car. But you know, you know, your neighbor across state lines would get a car. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, and we've done this for a dozen years. And if you if it's every two years, and I'm, yeah. I'm sure it's grown, but it's a billion dollars a year now. Yeah, it was less before. And, but and still. just do the math over a dozen years, how much money that yeah. we have just given to California. We'll just do California because that's the worst the worst state it, we, we as Republicans want to give money yeah, to, right? Probably. Yeah. So 608-785-7914 is the talk of text line. Um, we do, if you want to throw those on now, John, and then sure. – um, and I, I don't know if I reintroduced you, but John Havlicek, so I, you know, my political blowhard that I have on every once in a while. He's also a Central High School Spanish teacher. Uh, long time doing that, multiple decades doing that. But uh, we'll go to the phone. Scholar, who's this? Joe. Hey, Joe, go ahead. You're on with John. Uh, I heard you earlier point out, you know, that uh, lower and middle class, impossible to build wealth. Upper class people don't have to worry about that. I think you're talking about monetary value. And that doesn't always mean upper class. I know a family, you know, not too far from the area that wanted to pass their farm on to their children. And none of the kids wanted to take on the huge amount of government spending that they would have to put in in order to take this farm on. Even though they grew up working on this farm, these people, you know, paid their dues many times over to the government, yet the government will not let them pass this on to their children without taking a monster cut that would put the kids in debt for the rest of their lives. So they're stuck renting out the farm to people around them. So they took the farm. still own their farm and can work, but they can't pass this generational farm on. And I just, I think either that's intentional or it's getting mixed up in this taxing that, uh, it's it's extremely destroying. You're talking the, about an estate. Midi- You're talking okay. about an estate tax. I'm talking about you pointing out that wealthy people don't have to worry about passing on their wealth, and it's even though their farm was worth a half a million dollars, they don't make much more than people making seventy thousand dollars a year. So they're not so wealthy people. They're not wealthy, but yet exactly, and they can't pass this. this they're not they wealthy, so they, they're disqualified from the whole argument. You're talking about not wealthy people. Not being able to do a thing, so and you're talking about an estate tax, which has you know, which is a totally different topic. So, um, anyway, you- yeah, well, I mean, I, I I get where he's, I think I get where he's coming from in terms of like, like if you're below a certain threshold, you're really not going to pass much of anything on to your kids, 
And and yet, if we come back to, right, I hate to keep hitting on this, but there's a ton of stuff in here in this, again, fact check me right now. Governor budget and brief. budget, yeah. There's proposal. a ton of stuff in there that is specifically geared to help farmers. Tons of stuff. Tons of stuff. So, like, if we help the caller's acquaintance or whatever, if we can help them, maybe we can change that. Right? It might be too late for that particular person. But for that situation, maybe we can change that if we would get some policies that would specifically help farmers. And I'm not a farmer. Like, Essentially, what, have, he, what he's saying is that maybe the farm's worth five million dollars, and then yeah, you. And then, but they probably still owe a ton on it, right? And then I inherit it, and now yeah. I either a I have to keep paying into the farm, Correct. or b like even just like the property taxes or whatever yep. that comes with owning. I don't, you know, like whatever, just the, yep. the taxes themselves. And then if you're, and and then maybe in an estate tax, so you're inheriting five million dollars, so you have to pay a. You know, two hundred fifty thousand dollars in estate tax on that. So, well, but we're not, you, we you actually won't though, because so so they did a study a couple of years ago on how many family farms get hit by the estate tax. Mm-hmm. Okay, because that's the way it's always built, right? Yeah, is is we say family farms. It's less than a quarter of a percent of family farms get hit with anything on the estate tax, right? Because of exactly what the caller was talking about. They have the farm, but they don't actually own it. So when when those folks pass away. Their equity in the farm might be a hundred thousand dollars, not five or ten million, which is actually the value of the the entity. So they're not paying estate taxes. You can please somebody call in, fact check me right now. It's like a quarter of a percent as of a few years ago. All right, you and your just I know this. (laughs) Me and just I read I read this. Um, all right. Beyond Medicaid expansion, is there other yeah. things that, you, in terms of your 160-page PDF <laughs> file of the budget in brief, the Wisconsin yeah, right. Governor Tony Evers' budget in brief, that that you you feel like is important to get the message out there? That yeah, I really think you know. So I'm a teacher, right? That's my first passion, of course. Um, I think we do need to talk a little bit about about uh, expanding the you know lifting the revenue caps. And the, the budget does that. It, it increases the revenue caps so that schools can either get more funding from the state government or raise their levy um, because schools are just, like, starved for resources. Um, and it, it tries to wind down the kind of this unaccountable uh, voucher scheme that we've had for a number of years. You know, um, the, vo- the different voucher programs, there's the Milwaukee one, the Racine one, there's a statewide one, there's a special needs one, all together – um, I'll ask you, I want to put you on the spot. How many millions of dollars do you think the voucher program cost the state in, a, in the last few years, like per year? Well, I know it's one here. <laughs> I think it's like it's one It's about million. a million here in the cross. So, uh, then I'm going to say like $9 million. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm just trying to pick big cities and okay. go. Do, do, do. Add, add a zero. Oh, oh $90 a- million. A- And then darn near triple. And then, I'm sorry, quintuple it. It's about $440 million across the state. So that we're paying into voucher schools that or, is or that is going to uh, voucher programs and things of that nature. Yeah, it's about four hundred forty million, I think, last year, or two years ago. All um, right, so I might actually have that number. Yeah, they're okay. That's for the two twenty two two twenty three estimate from DPI. Well, this is not cut, me making up. If we four hundred forty four million dollars. Well, if we cut that in half, we would have had a new high school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two hundred okay. million dollar. High I'm not going to touch that. Thanks. <laughs> Um, all right. So part of I know this part of Evers' uh, budget was a thousand dollar increase per student 
over it's, over the biennium. I think it's three fifty this year, you know, for next year, and then six fifty the year after that. Yes, I mean that's that's got to be a good thing, right? Like that's oh, it is it, it, yes. Two different ways. Of th- <laughs> well, two different ways to think about that when it, when it comes to we're just going to increase. I don't know what it is. But do you know what it is per student right now? Like what? What I do not. How much a school gets per student? But we're gonna, it, it varies. And and if you do that, I feel like there's there's part of this. Then you you make your school more attractive to students. Like yes. I want to improve my school. Uh, you know the PR around the school just to bring people in from around the area. You're, essentially, you're you're kind. Of, it's weird because then you're kind of competing with your neighborhood schools, your neighbor but, schools. I mean, yeah, but that money isn't wouldn't even do that. I mean, we're not even anywhere near that door yet. No, so so like Dr. Engel did a really good job with this. Um, you know, the school district's budget, um, our state aid, just for lacrosse, would be I think it was three thousand two hundred dollars more per student. If the revenue limits had kept pace with inflation, okay, and it used to, three thousand more per student? per kid, yes. Oh wow. Okay, three thousand more per student. Okay, and because in a uh, prior to I'm going to say 2010, um, the state aid was indexed like for inflation. Okay, so it kept pace. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so it'd be about three thousand dollars per student. So um, our budget would be about 19 million more per year. Okay, so we go to referendum for about half of that. This thousand dollars, which is over two years, of course, right, still won't get us to that sort of thirty two hundred where it was before prior to two thousand ten. It still won't get us there. So, you know, yeah, it's just interesting. So, yeah, if we if we would have kept the old model, yep, then we wouldn't have to go to taxpayers every. What, Depend, five years it depends, so? it depends on the district, yeah. Every five years and ask for $10 million a year or $60 yes. million over six years or whatever it is right, right now. I um, mean, what they're doing is they're shifting the cost onto the local um, communities. And, you know, lacrosse is a high-poverty community. So this, this um, tax money that's being paid in or not across the state could come to lacrosse, could come to Norwalk, could come to Whitehall could come to Bayfield, could come to, you name the, the small town or the big town or the big city, right? But where it's going is it's going to things like um, manufacturing tax credit that costs the state hundreds of millions of dollars a year that when it was put in, it was projected that the like the top cost would be about $130 million a year. That's when it was, that was the projection when it was first put in. I think last year it was $400 million. I mean, it's ridiculously it's past that. Costing taxpayers. Well, it, because it's a tax credit for manufacturing, right? And 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 again, now this would be a you know Democrat talking point, right? But you can look at the the budget in brief again. You can see where the job creation hasn't matched the the investments haven't matched that tax credit. Right. So they talk about how many people get that tax credit, and you, I close on the numbers here. Okay, um, but it was like uh, maybe a thousand people ish got a million dollars a piece and 7,000 people got something like 60 or 70,000 each. They benefited from this. The tax, so, they're getting tax credits. They're getting, they're getting tax credits. And I think it's even what they call refundable. But the fact of the matter is, is that these people that are like millionaires are getting, you know, and, and hyper millionaires, if that's a term, they're getting tax credits that are more than my salary, your salary. And, you can you and I can each name five people that we know personally 
combined. Right. And they're getting that as a tax credit. And so, like, wow, I, I wouldn't mind that money being put into veterans' assistance or schools or small businesses or farms or, right? <laughs> fixing the roads. So, always, John, you know, just always bring it back to fixing the roads. Bring, bring it back to the, to the roads, yeah, as I drive down Losey. 608-785-7914 is the talking text line. We're going to take one more quick break. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talking text line. John Havlicek, Central High School Spanish teacher and uh, Lacrosse Talk PM political blowhard <laughs> coming on here. Talking about the Governor Evers' budget proposal, or if you want to, if you want to Google it. Just look up the budget in brief. Yeah, state of Wisconsin budget in brief. It's it's a quick 160 page PDF read. It reads like a Clancy um, novel. I'm still trying to get through uh, the Stephen King Dark Tower series. It's like eight <laughs> books. He started in 1978 and ended in 2002. Uh, I haven't finished that yet. I'll get to the budget thing next. Um, but you've been deep diving in this, and you went to the Joint Finance Committee hearing yesterday. Spent eight hours there waiting to get your. Two minutes. Oh, it was only two minutes. Because <laughs> if there aren't a lot of people there, it is three minutes. But yeah. it was only two minutes for you. Um, do you cry a little bit <laughs> because of that? No, it's very interesting to hear the, pe- the different people's perspectives. Some people come in with very, very specific items out of, you know, the current budget proposal, right? They will come in and say, you know, there's the $3 million for this, this, and this. And I would urge you to support that because they have a very specific. So a gentleman came in yesterday. Um, he was in a wheelchair, and he kind of told his story. It was very touching about he had gotten into a motorcycle accident, and now he's very, very um, not able to do that, right? right? Yeah, and yeah. so, and he's like, there's there's a specific thing in there for this, 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 and that will help me pay for, like, a motorized wheelchair or whatever because, you know, they're so expensive. And so I would urge you to support this. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, so, like, that's an incredibly powerful testimony that that guy gave. It, it really is. And so so I listen to him. So I sit in the back and I sit there and then it's like, I got to get up and stretch. So I go walk around for 10 minutes or I go to the bathroom or I get something to drink. And then I come back in and I listen to him. And it's, it's, it's interesting. You and hear then, about roads and you hear about bridges and you hear about. But, um, and while that one's important, then there are also testimonies where your eyes are rolling into the back of your head. Don't you have to admit that. <laughs> there are certainly people whose testimony uh, you know what I, I would disagree with. You know what I would do? Because you only have two minutes, and maybe yep. you want to get so much information in there. So, so what, what I've been doing lately is when I walk my dogs and listen to podcasts, I got I got it on one One and a half. So maybe record your whole spiel, right? And, you get, and then kick up the speed, and then yeah. just come in there with the tape recorder. And just hit play on it at one and a half speed yeah. so that you get, then you're getting like, you know, three minutes. There are minutes. people that just like, brrr, right? They do. There yeah. are people that just go, go, gadget, go. I, uh, yeah. I always harken back to like the micro machines guy back when I was a kid and he just talked really fast. Uh, I'm not even going to try to do it because I'll just trip all over myself. Um, all right. So can we just, can I, can I do some like school district stuff real Absolutely. quick? Absolutely. Certainly. Um, it's your show. Standards based grading. Uh huh. We're going to do that next year. We're not going to like coming up. Um, we're, we're still gonna... trying to transition. So, so the the idea I think is going to be to have people build that into their programming for next year, and then the is year there easy, after. Is there, a, is there an easy way to just instead of A B C D F, mm-hmm. we're going to do standards based grading? Is there an easy way? Can you just define it easily without? I don't, 
so look at it more like it, it's it would it still kind of matches. I mean, kind of right okay. in terms of when if I ask you if I say this kid got an A, what do you know about that kid? Well, the kid like super duper understands the material, right? So if we do a four, that is a kid that like super understands the material and is even combining that material with like in Spanish we talk about you make connections. So maybe the kid brings in something that that she learned in history class. Like, oh, yeah, that's a great point, you know, like sure, yeah. double plus, right? Uh, the three, instead of like an A, B, C, D, like a three might be like this kid completely understands the material. There are maybe a couple of things that weren't quite what I was looking for, and then a two and then a one, and then you got a kid that like, nope, you're, you're not there. So all we did is substitute letters for numbers. Um, well, <laughs> it, is it a bigger burden on teachers to do it this way, standards based? Uh, I don't think it will be. I no. think the transition is bumpy because – because just like anything else, Old there are a lot like of ways. Yeah, there are a lot of <laughs> ways of looking at things. Yeah, and and this is maybe especially true in education. There might be three correct answers, not one, and there might be seven vi- viable ways to get to those three correct answers. So, all right, that's John Havlicek, Central High School Spanish teacher, Lacrosse Talk PM, political blowhard. Thanks a lot, John. Thank you. All right, coming up tomorrow, I think Trigoski is going to join me from UWL, but he was going to do it on the road just for a little bit. Uh, But I got some fun topics lined up. Thanks for listening.